I'll say it again. I've said it like a thousand times during this sermon series, but I am a worrier. I am a big worrier, and it's something that I fight with all the time. And uh, this sermon series that we're uh, finishing this morning has come primarily from being a worrier and coming from a family of worriers and really seeing how much damage it can do, how upsetting it can be, how difficult it can be to to navigate your worry when you don't have any tools, when you don't have any idea how to get through it. And so far we've seen many tips uh, from the words of Jesus on how to remove worry. And we're going to continue that today. But I think that one of the reasons... That when we do this sermon series, it feel, feels different. It feels like something that you know most churches aren't talking about. It feels like something that you've never connected to the spiritual before. It feels like something that, that doesn't maybe seem like a church topic. And I think that reason is that worry is so normal. And I think that in me, you know, it's really easy to overlook it as something that is not good, as something that is a sin, as something that is affecting my life negatively, in large part because I can look at my family and be like, well, they all do it. But then I, I go outside of my family and I, I'm like, well, it seems like everybody's stressed out. I mean, it just kind of feels like every person is a little bit stressed out. And so it's just normal. It's not something that I need to think about. It's not something that I need to worry about. And in life, I think that we get like that. We're just like, if, if everybody else is doing it, then it's okay for me to do it. We say it as like kids, right? Like that's our, our reason to give our parents when we want to do something that we shouldn't do or when we've been caught doing something that we weren't supposed to do. It's like, well, well everybody else was doing it. Or you're like, if you want to, you know, because that excuse usually doesn't work, you get more specific and you, you talk about a, a kid whose parents, your parents know, and you're like, well, well, John's parents let him do it, you know, and that is like, the, like, as long as it's normal and there's other people doing it, then it's okay for me to do it too. And I think maybe as we've gone through this sermon series and and you've thought about worry and hopefully you've you've done the homework assignments and and you've seen worry as bad for the first time as something maybe that's spiritual and has spiritual implications and that can be uh, not fixed necessarily but relieved through spiritual ways through focusing on Jesus through understanding how much God loves you that maybe you your excuse your rationalization has just been like well it's normal. Or it just has to be this way because everybody else is dealing with it and nobody seems to be able to break this habit. And so I'm going to have to do it too. And I don't think that probably I've said this through this series a bunch too, that that, that it's like other sins, you know, other things that you do wrong where, where you're like, you really want to keep doing it and so you make up excuses. I think in, when it comes to the topic of worry, it's not so much like, yeah, well, I, I need an excuse to keep doing it. Look, everybody else is doing it and so I'll keep doing it. It's more like defeated, like I just, I don't know if I'll ever be able to break this habit. And I think that what we'll see today is huge. It, it might be the biggest thing that we've seen. And I'll be up front this morning with you. If, 
you're not a Christian, then a big part of this is, is, is just not true for you. It's never going to work for you. It's not something that, that has strong implications for you. But, but my hope, and I'll just, just totally up front, is that you'll see that, that in Christianity and having a bigger, bigger purpose than ourselves, that, 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 you, that you could find something greater in Jesus. And I hope that you'll see that, that maybe the reason that, that we as Christians sometimes have more hope and we seem calmer in situations that, that we should be upset about is, is what we'll kind of see today, that, that we have something greater on our minds, that there is a bigger purpose to our lives. And so I think that no matter who you are, you, you'll at least find some value in this while the strict application is going to be towards Christians, and you'll see, you'll see why in just a second. But I think that what we're going to see this morning is absolutely huge, and I think like just this one sermon, you wouldn't need the other three, and if you haven't heard them, I would say go back and listen to them online because I think they're pretty good myself, but, but, but if you hear nothing else in this sermon series, then I think this one sermon right here, this one statement by Jesus could just fix your worry. It could help you just end worry altogether, but it takes a giant commitment. So here's, here's what Jesus says, and this is just the buildup, Matthew six thirty one. so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear. The so can also be translated therefore. It's an indication that Jesus is giving a conclusion, a summary statement of what he's already said. And he's basically told us for seven verses, don't worry, here's why. Don't worry, here's why. Don't worry, here's why. And so Jesus is just once again saying, hey, you don't need to worry I want to point out, once again, the weight of worry. Jesus doesn't offer this as, as a suggestion. He doesn't say, hey, it's a good idea not to. Hey, it'll be better for your health if you don't. He says, do not. John Wesley used to say, while well, he was alive, you know who John Wesley is. He was a, a, a famous Christian revivalist, um, one of the great Christian men who has ever lived, in my opinion. He's a guy that, that much of what we do still in church today is driven by, by his ideas and his thoughts and his following of the Holy Spirit. He said that he would just as soon swear as to worry. I think that's super funny. Like, we, you know, still kind of like the idea... Uh, ideas of John Wesley, but like if you think about church, right, like if I just got up here and dropped an F-bomb, you would be really, you would be upset, right? But I am, I actually feel pretty tense today, kind of funny, I shouldn't have told you that maybe, but I, I just feel a little bit tense this morning, and uh, but nobody bats an eye at that. It's like it's not even a thing, right? I mean, that is telling of how we view worry, if I swore you would be upset, I would be reprimanded, you might fire me. But as I'm up here worrying, something that Jesus has shown is like a distrust in God. It's, it's a, it shows a little faith. It is something that, that is not reflective of our understanding of the love of God. Nobody thinks about it. It's not even a thing. But John Wesley said he would just as soon swear as worry. And I think it's because John Wesley knew what we talked about last week, and that is that worry is rooted in a lack of faith, and it diminishes the power and love of the Father. And as you'll see today, it just demonstrates that we are putting second things first, that we are putting things as priorities that should be secondary in our lives. 
Jesus continues, Matthew 6, 32, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, this is a, this is a really interesting statement. I mean, Jesus just lumps all non-Christians together and says, hey, people, my followers, disciples of me, that's who he's talking to. Look, you need to know this. The way you worry and the things you worry about, it's becoming of those who aren't my followers, who don't know God at all, who live entirely for themselves. At the time Jesus said this pagan uh, religion, pagan culture was really characterized by anxiety. It might have even been seen as a virtue because they uh, false gods were all around and idols and, and the people would have worshipped those, but they thought that these false gods that they worshipped, that they looked up to, that they believed in, were really like mean. And so a big part of like pagan religion and pagan culture at the time was just to be kind of scared that you were going to make these false gods angry all the time. And so you were walking on eggshells metaphorically. You were walking on eggshells all the time going, I just, I really don't want to make God mad. I don't want to make that God mad. And if I do this, then that, and and I'm going to get struck dead. And, you know, we make jokes about that, right? Sometimes in Christian circles, like, well, if you do that, God's going to strike you with lightning. But, I mean, how often are you, like, really worried about that? But the pagan religions at the time of Jesus were, were like, well, I don't want to make the God of lightning mad, so I'm definitely not going to do this today. And they walked around biting their fingernails, super stressed out all the time. But, but even more, to us today, we see that Jesus' point is that people apart from him, people that don't love the true God of the universe, are people that are chasing constantly after material, non-eternal possessions. They worry about the things they eat, and they worry about the things they drink, and they worry about the things that they wear. Jesus gets right to the heart of it. When we worry, we act as people who don't know God. Now this is the part where if you're a pagan, and I don't know why pagan sounds so mean, it's just a description for you who don't love the real God, uh, but if you're a pagan, if you're a person who follows false gods or no God at all, then, then you cannot apply this to your life because you are the person who chases after the things of the world. And the reality is, the truth is, you, you have no reason not to. I mean, if you only believe that you're only going to live a certain amount of time, 70 to 100 years, depending on how lucky you get or whatever, then then why not chase after the best food and the best drink and the best clothes? But the reality, the crazy part is, is that we as Christians think there's something much greater out there. We think that there are things way more important than the clothes we wear and the food we eat and the drinks that we drink. We think that there is a different reality, that there is a spiritual world and that heaven awaits us and all those who accept Christ as their Savior. But yet, it seems that we run after another way of saying that we continually seek the same things as people who do not share 
our beliefs. I mean, when you think about your life and the things that you are focused on, the things that you make a priority, it's oftentimes the same as everybody else around you. And Jesus looks at us and says like, hey, you're worried because you're focused on the same stuff as everybody else. The people who aren't my followers, the people who don't believe in the real God, the people who don't know how loving and awesome the God of the universe truly is. I just think of, of this, like, we're obsessed with living longer. And, and that's the, the whole country. Our whole country is obsessed with that. But, but even within, like, Christian circles, it seems like everybody is, like, really obsessed with living longer. I mean, we focus on it, we think about it, we talk about it, like I should, and this is not bad, I'm not, I'm not discrediting exercise or seatbelts or anything like that, don't take it this way, but like, it, it's, it's like, I should exercise more because I should live longer, and I, I don't think, as we'll see in just a minute, as we get to really what I think is, is the key verse for us today, I, I don't think that should be the reason we exercise. But even in the Christian circles, it's like, I just want to live longer. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Just like, people don't want to die that don't know me. And they want nicer stuff. And they want a better job. They want to retire early. This is what pagans are focused on. And then he says, your heavenly father needs them. And we've talked about that through the weeks. But it's obvious if we're Christians, then we should know that if God has our best interest in mind and eternity awaits us and that Jesus died for our sins, then we should quite obviously understand that the God of the universe knows and cares about our physical needs and even the desires of our hearts. It's crazy. And I think that you need to hear this just super loud and clear and it just needs to be like in your face and you need to understand it. Is, is this the, the, one of the reasons and maybe the key reason that you worry so much is that you are focused on things of this earth and not things of eternity. I mean, Jesus has made clear in the Sermon on the Mount, it's a big reason he gives this giant sermon is to declare you who follow me, Jesus, should not look like people who don't follow me. In Matthew 5, 47, he said, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Jesus like, you should be nice to people. Not just people who like you, not just the people that are your own, not just the people that go to church with you, but you should be nice to people. Because everybody who is nice to people that like them and are kind to them, you should be different. Matthew 6, 7, and 8. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. He's like, you don't need to keep talking and try to say a magical spell in order to get God to work for you. Just tell, Just talk to God about it, because he already knows. And your life should be distinct as a Christian because God already knows what you need. And so the Sermon on the Mount, a big driving force behind it is to say, you who are Christians should look different than those who are not Christians. You who are Christians should look different than those who are not Christians. And yet, we worry and worry and worry. And I think it's because the drive of our lives is too often no different than the drive of everybody else's lives. 
If we will be people, and I think this is the first tip today, if we will be people who say, mm, my focus, my priorities, my thinking, the things I do every day are going to be driv- driven by the eternal and by my relationship with God and not by normal, then I think you're going to see worry start to decrease. I mean, you worry in large part because you are focused on things that will not matter in eternity. I, I would, I'm, this, maybe this isn't biblical, this is a step aside from me preaching the Bible one second. I would like it if you worried about like the health of our church. I would like it if you worried about people who were dying and going to hell. I would like it if you worried about me and my spiritual life and the spiritual lives of everybody else that you're sitting next to right now. I would like it if you worried about not sinning and I would like it if you worried about serving our church in the way that God called you to serve our church. But I'm guessing that you don't worry about those things very often. Just a guess. I'm hopeful maybe. I'm not hopeful. But this is like a little guess. Like maybe you have like a second where you're like, ooh, I'm kind of worried about this spiritual thing but the majority of your worries are centered around you and your drink and your food and your clothing and if people like you and if you're going to be happy and if things are comfortable for you and if you're well liked and if you're well received and if you're doing a good job and if you're respected and if you're popular and if you're famous and all that stuff that is what your worries are centered around and Jesus says that is what people that don't know me are focused on why are you focused on it And the first idea, the first thing that we see is plain and simply, if you want to stop worrying, stop focusing on the things that everybody else focuses on and start focusing on the things that Jesus wants you to focus on. Now, here's the key, though. Here's the key. I, said, I think I said this last week. Maybe it was just when I was practicing this sermon in my head. But, but like, have you ever, I said this last week. I remember looking right down at Brandon when I said it. Um, do you ever, like, take a, something from a baby and they don't like it? They start to scream and they get really upset, right? And, and they cry. And, and the trick is that when you take something from a baby, you just give them something better. And then their attention, because they're babies, is drawn to this other thing. And it works if it's better, if it's louder or more colorful, then, then, then it works better, in my experience anyway. And, and Jesus, I think, is just really super smart, and he probably looks at us like babies. Like, well, if I just take away all their focus, then they're going to go play video games and be losers. And not that video games make you loser. I like video games, but you know what I'm saying. Like, and they're, then they're going to just cry. They're going to be like, well, now I don't know what to do. I'm directionless. You've given me nothing. I have to focus on something, right? I mean, we all are focused on something. If you're not focused on something, then you have a problem that is different than this sermon series. And, and so Jesus immediately in Matthew 6, 33 says, here's the replacement, the better thing. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Now, seek doesn't mean to look for in this context. Seek means to make the priority of your life. It could and and might in this passage of Scripture have some eschatological, that means end times, bent to it, where Jesus is saying, hey, look forward to my return. But his primary purpose here, what Jesus is saying to us, is that the thing that you should be focused on is not like everybody else. The thing that you should be focused on is the kingdom of God. 
and righteousness of God. First doesn't mean first. Hmm. Uh, First doesn't mean, number one, like first in the morning time. It's not a chronological idea here for Jesus. He isn't saying, and this is a good thing, I think, but he isn't saying like when you wake up in the morning, Say your prayers and read your Bible before you do anything else. I think that is one of the great life tips that that I could give you just as far as life goes. Just start the day by focusing on Jesus and things of Jesus and you're going to go a long way in life. But that's not Jesus' point here. Jesus is not saying first as in earliest. He is saying first as in make the kingdom and the righteousness of God your priority. Now, the kingdom in the book of Matthew is really the rule and reign of God. Because you say, like, well, I can't really usher in the return of Jesus. I can't really, like, build a castle. I mean, what is this kingdom deal? This kingdom is the rule and the reign of God in your hearts and on the earth. And so the priority is to say, God, I'm going to let you rule me and reign over me. And the priority is to help others do the same. Righteousness is not passive. Sometimes we think of righteousness, and I don't know why this is so true in Christian circles, as just like not doing something. Well, I'm real, I live a pretty righteous life. I do not cheat on my spouse. That's about it. That's how we think of righteousness. Righteousness is so much more for Jewish people, and the way that they would have understood this word is just so much better. It's having a right relationship with somebody. You can think of it in any, it was used in all kinds of relationships. And so for me to have a right relationship with my wife would be righteousness using the same word. And it would look look very different than for me to have a right relationship with a friend like Kevin here. We're going to have very different type of relationship, but both can be, in this understanding of the word, how the Jews understood righteousness, both can be defined as righteous. My relationship with my dad is going to be very different than my relationship with a friend. But righteousness is when that relationship is right and it's good and it's healthy. And so here, when Jesus applies it to God, he's saying you need to have a right relationship with the God of the universe. This should be the priority of your lives. A big chunk of that is removing sin, and sin is removed through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But it is far more than just that. It is far more than just removing things from your life. It is being in a position and a place in life where you're saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? I will do it. And it is having interactions with God that are good and holy. It is being a part of a church in a way that pleases God. It's having a right relationship with the one who created us all. Here's what Jesus is saying. The priority of our lives, the thing that we seek above all else should be the furthering of God's kingdom, his rule and his reign in our hearts and in the world and and righteousness, a relationship with him that is good and right and holy and helping others be in a relationship with him that is good and right and holy. This should be the driving force of our lives. Now at this, you just, I know, I'm a human being. I'm a pastor, so some people think we're less than human beings or more than human beings or something, but I am one. And, and immediately, like when I hear this, I'm like, Jesus, 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 come on. You're smarter than that. Don't treat me like a baby. I have like a hundred things that I need to do every week. 
I mean, like you're you're gonna tell me, and this is I, I guarantee you that at some point, even if it's not right now, you're gonna think like, okay, I would like to make God's kingdom and His righteousness my priority, but I have a kid to feed, and I have a wife to interact with and take care of, and I have friends that I need to help, and I'm serving in a church, and I'm worried about my future. I have a ton of bills, and I got all of this responsibility, and it piles up, and Jesus, you show up on the scene, and that's cool, and I love you, and I'm thankful you forgave me for my sins, but come on, man. I have a lot of other things that I need to make the priority of my life. Now, here's the first thing I want to say. You're probably going to, I get I could just see it. I can see it in your faces. It's good. You're engaged. I appreciate that. But you're thinking like, okay, he's got the magic bullet where I can do both of these things. No magic bullet. Jesus is well aware of your struggles and your difficulties and your responsibilities. And he's saying, above all of that, the priority ought to be the kingdom and righteousness. The early church the people that hung out with Jesus, the people that hung out with the people that hung out with Jesus, they were called and they knew it to full devotion to Jesus and the things that surround him. And I think as they look at us today and the things that we're focused on and the things that pagans run after and how we run after those same things, I think they'd be like, wow, what happened to the American church? Jesus is saying, look, I get I get it, I get it, and he's already said God knows your needs, and he's about to say something really cool, all this other stuff will be added unto you. But like, Jesus is saying, like, hey, you need to make me the priority of your life. Nothing else. Your child should not be the priority of your life. And I look around in the city of Wilsonville, And man, kids are absolutely number one for most people. A lot of people come to church because they have kids. It's not about Jesus even. It's just like, hey, we think our kid, it's good for them and they'll be more well-adjusted. But people are driven by children in this community. I mean, driven. And your kids should not be the priority of your life. Shouldn't be. God's kingdom and his righteousness should be the priority of your life. The pagan is gripped by anxiety because he faces an uncertain tomorrow. The Christian who has a personal relationship with God as his father relies on the one who not only knows but also controls tomorrow. When we appreciate how much God loves us, we no longer feel pressure to run after even the necessities of life. This frees us to set our priorities and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What a joy to worry about nothing except pleasing Jesus. Now here's, here's, here's what you need to hear. You go, wow, Chad hates kids. Man, I never knew he hated kids. That's so bad. And I could, just see, I could see that in your faces too. Like, what? My kid's going to starve to death because of this sermon. And Jesus says, clearly, like everything else is going to be taken care of. I say with children, like God's not going to give you a kid and then tell you to set your priorities on him and then be like, dang, that was a bad plan because now your kid is so poorly adjusted and isn't making any friends in school and is dumb. 
You know, like that, that's not what, I mean, Jesus is like, hey, all these other things will be given to you. That doesn't mean the wants of your heart, but it means that God is going to take care of the things in your life that need to be taken care of. As long as you are doing what he has called you to do and you're focused on what he has called you to focus on, his kingdom and his righteousness, having a right relationship with him. Now again, back to your children. It doesn't mean you starve your child because you're like, oh, I just was so busy just with the kingdom and the righteousness thing, man. I'm, I'm really sorry that I don't have time to get to food today. Not what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying don't do anything besides you know, sit around praying all day. Jesus is saying that the priority of your life must be his kingdom and his righteousness. This means that when you give your kid a bottle, it should be driven by your love and your devotion to God. It's really hard to get to that place and to think like that, but it's important because it makes everything else unimportant. Now, you, this is, I know this. You go, my life is too busy. But John Wanamaker, in the 19th century, opened a department store that became quickly one of the largest companies in the whole wide world. And at the same time, he was appointed uh, to be where is it, uh, Postmaster General of the United States, and he served as superintendent for what was the largest Sunday school in the world at his church. And somebody once said to him, like, how do you do it without being stressed? I mean, like, that's three pretty big jobs. Biggest company in the world, Postmaster General, also doing the Sunday school thing. How is that even possible? And he said this, early in life I read, seek Yea, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The Sunday school is my business. All the rest are the things. Isn't that magnificent? Don't you just want to know this guy? Don't you just want to like hang out with this guy for one second? I mean, he's got like two things that we, even as Christians, and this is the running after the wrong things part. We were like, this is awesome, man. I mean, you, you, have, you have caught up to the things that I'm chasing. I mean, you're super big time. You're, you're working for the United States government. You got this great position of power. People respect you. They like you enough to give you this position. And you're rich. And this guy says, I'm not stressed out because I'm only driven in this life by one thing. And for him, expanding the righteousness in the kingdom of God came through Sunday school. He said, I'm driven by that. If you just allow for yourself to become a person that is just driven by the kingdom and the righteousness of God, then God is going to take care of the rest. You'll have the money you need to pay those bills, the food you need to feed your family. You'll have the respect you need to accomplish things in this world for God. You'll have a job when you need a job. The people you need to have like you will like you. I mean, God is going to take care of you if you make him the priority. And the cool part is, is it frees us up. I mean, obviously, you're going to feed your kid if you're trying to do what God has called you to do. And obviously, you're going to work hard and try to have a job if you're doing the things that God has called you to do. It's biblical to have a job. It says it right in there. And obviously, you're going to be nice to people if you're trying to do the things that God wants you to do. But here's what it does. It doesn't take away all your responsibility. It just relieves the stress from it. Jesus doesn't say like, hey, if you're focused on everything, then all of this will be added unto you. You'll get it all. He says, if you're focused on me, then the things that you need are going to be given to you. This relieves the stress. We think responsibility and stress go hand in hand. I don't think so. 
I think when we make the wrong things the main responsibility, the main priority, then we're stressed out about them. But when we make Jesus and his kingdom and his righteousness the priority, it's all on him now. Making sure that I have enough and I'm fed and all all that's on him and I'm totally trusting him. Now, Now, let's pay attention. Some of these necessities will not be given to us here on earth. I do not want to take away from the fact that people that are serving God in powerful ways across the world are starving, that they're struggling, that they're being beheaded. I do not want to take away from that at all. And so we must remember that ultimately this promise is fulfilled for those of us who know Jesus and follow Jesus in eternity. But sometimes... And I don't think we see this enough because we're not focused on the kingdom and his righteousness. Sometimes God provides in crazy, awesome ways. George Mueller, one of the, also, this is a guy that I would just love to hang out with. He started orphanages. He's one of the great Christians ever to live. If I could go back in time and meet, you know, 15 people, this guy's on my list. And he started these orphanages without any funding. He didn't go around and say, hey, I need money. I'm going to be taking care of kids without parents. You know, we need to be able to eat and we need to have a place. And, and he did it without anything. He just prayed and God provided. And he ended up with like multiple buildings and hundreds and thousands of kids in these orphanages and, and really just made a dent on the world that, that we could only wish to have on the world and hope to have on the world. But one story that I, that I just love that just kind of defines his attitude and his heart and, and how God sometimes provides miraculously is, is this. He was up at 2 a.m. and he's thinking there's no food. There's absolutely no food, and I don't know what to do. And so he prays. Doesn't make a phone call, just prays. And the kids are up, and he says to God, God, we thank you for the meal that you provided for us, that you were going to provide for us this morning. And all of a sudden, a baker shows up and says, hey, I just woke up early thought you guys needed food, and he hands them food, and the milkman shows up and like, hey, we had some extra milk, and we just, I just thought you guys might be able to use it, and the kids did not go to school hungry. George Mueller just made God the priority of his life and said, I guess I'm supposed to start orphanages. I'll do it. See what happens, and God provided everything that he needed as he sought to expand God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I just, one illustration for this kind of aspect of Jesus' uh, statements here, and um, it's just this, uh, maybe two. Uh, one is like, have you, ever, have you ever set your alarm a lot earlier than you need to? Uh, that not than you need to, but that you're used to. And, and the whole night, knowing that you have less sleep, you just wake up, right? Over and over and over. You're like, oh, it's time. I got, oh, the airplane's going to leave me. Oh, I got that test. Oh, I got that interview, you know? And you just wake up all night. And I think this is what Jesus is saying. Like, worry is not helpful for the future. It just kind of ruins right now. I mean, the alarm's going to go off either way when it goes off, but, but waking up every five minutes is no good, and that's similar to worry. I mean, worry is just this, this stress that ruins today and, and has no benefit for tomorrow, and so Jesus just ends with this really practical statement, like, worry doesn't do you any good whatsoever. But this morning, 
As we finish this series, I got, I got a couple more rhymes for you. And, and I, I just, uh, hopefully these rhymes will be helpful. We're going to give you a, a magnet uh, that has all these rhymes on them, and I hope they'll be helpful to you. We'll come back to that in a second. But this, the first thing, worry is driven by thinking unchristian. To ease it, give God your attention. And what I just, I mean, make these two things the priority of your life, being in right relationship with God and helping every other person that you know be in a right relationship with God. If your priority is other things, then you're going to be stressed out all the time. I'm telling you, if your priority is just paying your bills, you'll be stressed out all the time. You should pay him, but your focus should be on God, expanding his kingdom and his righteousness. I just, this is what Jesus is saying. If your vision is bigger than, than a non-Christian's, it's like I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to have a right relationship with God, and I'm going to make an impact in this world to help other people accept Jesus as their Savior and, and love him more and come to full obedience than him, then the worries in your life are going to go away. I mean, if you're just like waking up every day like, okay, how can I expand God's kingdom, his rule and his reign on this earth? What can I do? Is it in me? Is it in somebody else? Do I need to have a conversation? If that's your priority, you're going to stop worrying. Because the things you worry about right now are the priority of your heart. Ooh, think about that. The things that you're worried about are the things that you care about most. And they're things that are ultimately going to fail you. If it's your job, someday you won't have it. If it's your health, someday you'll die. If it's having somebody like you, you have no control over that. They'll get offended by something. If it is, if it is anything, it's going to fail you, and so worry about it. You should be worried about everything that is a priority of your life, except when you make Jesus the priority of your life. Because everything, if you haven't learned this, I don't know, I learned this pretty young. My grandma used to say it to me. Everybody, even me, this is what she would say to me, and she's never really done it, but, but she said it to me, and, and it made sense. Everybody, including me, will ultimately fail you. The only one who won't is God. And here we are. I just, just get it in your heads. I'm going to be finished pretty soon. It's a short sermon, so just get this in your heads. If you will just make Jesus and his kingdom and his righteousness, the priority of your lives, then you won't have to worry about things anymore. But right now, I think for most of you, the vision of your life is just way, way, way too small. You think things like, yeah, I just like to not sin a little bit. I just want to get through this day. I just want to have a nice business. And Jesus is like, make eternity, make forever the driving force of your life. And so here's, I just, look, don't make staying alive your priority. That's so boring and dumb. Like, I, and so many people just live like that. Like, I just want to stay alive, man. Like, well, it's not going to work. You're going to fail. I mean, that's so, it's dumb. It's a dumb priority to have. But then other things that don't seem as dumb to me are super dumb too, you know? Like, uh, I just want to have a stable income. Like, that, you should try. You should try to have stability in your life. But if that's your priority, then man alive, that's a terrible priority. Uh, and and just, just take away these things that everybody runs after and say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. What should I be focused on today? 
And one more time, last time I can say this, um, this is not to stress you out. The, the goal here is not to say, hey, you should worry because you've been, just, you've been messing this all up. I mean, idiots. This is not my hope or my intent. My, my intent is, is this, and here I'll give it the positive side, is that you're going to leave here and you're literally going to say, okay, I'm going to make this life about God. And you're gonna stop worrying. Not like I gotta, I gotta get rid of all this, and this is gonna just if I'm, this is so stressful. Just like, ooh, over here, that stuff, it'll be there. I'll take care of it eventually. God will probably want me to take care of some of it. I do need to feed my child, and I do need to pay bills, and I do need to be nice to people. But God, hey, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to about you? What is my purpose here? I think the people who worry the least are the people who are striving to fulfill their purpose and have the greatest purpose the most. And the people who are just like, I'm here to serve God and I'm going to do my best at that, they don't sit around going, eee. They just serve God. And so, look, don't like, oh, I, this is the sermon, the point of it. I wanted this series to be light and uplifting, and, uh, and, and I'm, that's not my, in my nature to make sermons light and uplifting. It's not who I am. I would yell more if I thought it was culturally acceptable. Maybe I'll move to the South someday and just start yelling at everybody in my sermon. But, but, but I just want this to be light and uplifting for you. And, and, and what I want is not for you to go, wow, I really need to just this stuff, and uh, but just to say, Jesus, your kingdom and your righteousness, and I'm going to make this a priority. If you're sitting around worrying about everything all the time and you're super stressed out, you need to do something else. You like really need to like find something that fulfills the purpose of your life, the true purpose of the Christian life, expanding his kingdom and his righteousness, you need to do. It might be serving in our church, but this is not that sermon. It might just be saying like, I'm gonna start an orphanage. You know, it might be like, I'm gonna help this person. I'm gonna be there for these people. Because when you're focused on something greater than yourself, it's really hard to worry about the stupid stuff. Now here's the other one. Last rhyme, and I'm not gonna talk as long about this one. This is a good one because it's got triple rhyme going on. Worry about the sorrow of tomorrow borrows focus from today. Focus on today and put worry away. Just do, this is, so, this is so helpful, do the right thing at the right time in the right way to borrow from a sermon I preached about a year ago. Do the right thing in the right time at the right way and just say, whatever happens tomorrow happens tomorrow. Sometimes we think that's bad, like, oh, that's so irresponsible. Nope. Do the right thing at the right time in the right way. And then tomorrow will take care of itself. If the right thing right now is to put money away for retirement, do it. Then don't buy that thing. But don't sit around worrying, am I going to have enough money? If the right thing right now is to, is to go out and seek forgiveness from somebody, go seek it. But don't sit around worrying like, oh, you know, they're going to not give it to me. And just, I mean, if the right thing right now is to go to the doctor, then go to the doctor. But don't sit around worrying about it, stressing about that thing that's wrong with you. I'm going to the doctor tomorrow, maybe because I'm preaching this sermon. Do the right thing at the right time in the right way. That's what Jesus is saying because worry does nothing. Like, oh, I really hope I'll do the right thing in the right way at the right time tomorrow. That just hurts today. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness right now. What is God calling you to do? Right now. 
What is God calling you to do to expand his kingdom and his righteousness? I'm telling you, this is, this is so good. And we're just going to do this together. This is my hope that we're going to be like the most stress-free church that's ever existed. And people are going to come in here and be like, wow, I feel like those people should worry more. You know, I mean, like, they just, they have it. I mean, they are, they just don't stress out. There's no anxiety there. When, I just, just with me for a second. Like, what if we were a church? We didn't do anything else right. Except we're so, we just have so much faith in God and we're so focused on his kingdom and expanding it that, that we never had any worry. Like, can you imagine like when people hung out with us? Like just, and like, let's say they hung out with you and then they hung out with me and, and they had the two interactions and they just saw how carefree we were. And they're like, why are you not stressed ever? You should, it feels like you should be stressed. Your church sucks, man. I mean, uh, not that we do, but you know, hypothetically in this situation, I think we have the best church in the world or I wouldn't be here, but uh, like, wouldn't that just draw people to Christianity? Wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't people just be like, wow, I don't want to worry. Jesus, I love you. I think that that's a realistic scenario. People don't want to worry and we have the solution. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness being focused on right now. And I want you to remember to be people they put their worry away. They work and live a worry-free life because of your faith and your devotion to God. But ultimately, it's going to come down to this. We got five tips on there, and ultimately, it's going to come down to this. What's the priority of your life today? Will you bow your heads with me? And I just want to start by saying this. If, if, if you feel like a million other things, maybe one other thing has become the priority of your life, and, and you're comfortable then I just ask you right now, if you're saying, and only if you're declaring, I want to change the focus of my life. I want to make Jesus, his kingdom and his righteousness my focus. Will you put your hand up so I can pray for you? Good, I'm gonna hold you to it. Jesus, I thank you for those hands. and Mine's right up with them, Lord. Those hands that just now declared, look, my priorities are wrong. I'm running after things that non-Christians run after, whether it be staying alive or making money or whatever it might be, God. And, and they're declaring that they want to make you the priority. Jesus, I started this sermon this morning by saying it's just so normal to be worried. And Lord, the truth is, it's just so normal. Even sadly, God, you know this, in church circles for us to have so many other priorities that are not you, your kingdom, and your righteousness. And so, Lord, for these people who put their hands up, when they start to think, well, this is normal. This is what I, this is just the way it is. This is what people do. I pray that you would stop them in their tracks. You'd stop me in my tracks. And you would let us just return to our purpose, saying it's not about normal because I'm not normal. I'm a Christian. I'm something very different than normal. I'm a person who knows a loving father who has sent his son to die for my sins i'm a person that knows that god loves me and created me i'm a person that has eternity to look forward to i pray that you would just instill these things in our head lord god we just i don't know i don't know why we do things in the church in america that we do but we've be, we've just made not trusting you acceptable and God, we've made having a million other priorities besides you acceptable. And there's so there's like sermons being preached right now around the world. 
around our country especially, that are telling people, hey, just make these things a priority. You know, God wants them to be a priority in your life, and it's so dumb. It's so unbiblical, Lord, and I'm sorry for how I contribute to that in my attitude sometimes. But Lord, right now in our church, I pray that you would take every person, and God, you would make you the only thing that matters. God, I pray that we would wake up every day and we would say, God, what is it you want me to do? And we would do it to the best of our ability, serving you, not worrying about what tomorrow holds. This is hard, God. This is so hard, but help us, Lord. I pray that we, I pray that every person here would have the wisdom to know what to do with what they have heard this morning and the courage and the strength and the willpower and the perseverance to live it out, Lord. Ask these things in your name. Amen.